Welcome to the Tiagi Group Business Intelligence Podcast. This is Episode 5, and I'm Matt Richter. Today we're going to talk about the sales function. Specifically, what are the most important skills and competencies we want in our salespeople? All right, I'll tell you one of our conclusions now. It's financial acumen. We believe that the more sales professionals understand the financial landscape of their customers, the easier it is to identify needs and move toward closure. Our guest today is Tad Henderson, president of LTP Sales. Tad's background in finance, sales, and training have given him a unique view into the importance of using finance and financial selling strategies when selling into businesses. Hi, Tad. How are you, Matt? I'm doing well. How's the weather out in Tahoe? It's uh, snowing yet again. We're in April and it keeps snowing. Uh, but that's a good thing for you, right? Yeah. That is a good thing. Yeah, yeah I mean, uh, you, you live on the mountains, right? Yes, we do. So... Hey, can you give us a little bit of background on who you are and, and what's LTP Sales? So my, my background, as you just mentioned, is in, is in finance, in selling, and in training, and specifically sales training. And when my career transferred uh, from finance over to sales, I started to realize that I had a slight competitive advantage in using my financial acumen or financial background to sell into these companies. I started to realize that that all of these companies uh, really use finance as part of their decision-making process. Um, I felt like I had a, an upper hand. And so we decided to, to use all that knowledge and that background and connect with a few other experts in the field, uh, specifically executives in the field, um, who have bought complex solutions from business sales representatives before, uh, to put together LTP sales and teach sales folks out there, the techniques that we've used to be successful through the years. And we found that um, as we as we continue to make finance a little bit easier for salespeople to, to understand and to use, they become more effective and actually want to use, uh, you know, dig in a little bit deeper on the topic. So uh, LTP sales has seen, um, has really seen an uptick in its business in the last few years as more and more business sales reps start to recognize how important finance is. Well, and that ties directly to the economy, right? Uh, I mean, the economy has pretty much sucked. So how uh, has that affected sales organizations and how sales are, are conducted? Well, you're absolutely right. It's just made it more important. It's a, the importance of finance in business sales has always been there um, because your customer is looking for that ROI. They want to know... You know, I know how much this, this solution is going to cost, Mr. Salesperson, but I don't know what the benefit is. I don't know what the tangible dollar benefit is. Um, and, when, and when sales reps start to speak in that language, they become more effective. And, yes, as the economy is, as, and I like to use the word tanked over the last <laughs> few years, it's really exposed to this strategy as being very important. Um, because uh, just about every business customer right now out there is tasked with doing more with less, right? So they want to know, hey, I want a solution that's not only going to cost me less, but is going to do more for me, going to help me drive down my other expenses or help me increase, increase my revenue. And if you can't, uh, if you can't tell that story uh, in selling your solution, it's very unlikely you'd be successful as a business sales professional. You know, as an outside guy looking in, it seems almost banal. It seems so simple an answer. 
but it is pretty cutting edge for sales groups to think about things this way, isn't it? Cutting edge, I don't know. It's definitely different. If you look at the background of typical sales professionals, they don't have a finance background. Uh, and just the word finance sometimes can be intimidating, so you see folks tend to shy away from it. Um, uh, when we sit in the classroom or when we used to sit in the classroom, we, we heard folks say, well, you know, I'm a salesperson, I'm not a finance person, right? And so what we're trying to do is walk that fine line between we don't need you to be a finance person, but we need you to have some understanding of finance so that you can start to see underneath the kimono of your customer and and what's driving their decision making. That's not an image I really wanted to have in my head though. Thought I'd throw that out there. Yeah, thanks. Nice. Komodo Komodo's for sale. Before we dive deeper into the financial acumen aspect of this, just as a baseline, what are some of the other competencies that lead to sales success? We tend to look at it across the sales cycle from that perspective, right? So, um you're prospecting, uh, you're researching. Actually, you'd start with researching. So you're researching, you're prospecting, you're proposing, and you're closing. Right. So we've got those four broad brushstrokes that that you know the start to finish of the sales cycle. So you need to be able to research your customers. You need to be able to really understand what drives their business before you get on the phone with them. Um, if you're just going to get on the phone with a business customer and tell them all about your products and services their eyes are going to go cross and they're going to get bored and they're most likely going to cut the conversation off. They're looking to see what you understand about their business and how you can draw that connection between your solutions and their business. So researching is, is a critical component of that. Um, then on the prospecting phase, there's uh, the ability to properly qualify a deal. Um, not only do you, do you need to understand finance to sell, but you also need to make sure the odds aren't stacked against you. We've seen a lot of companies in the last few years start to bring in other vendors to compete for business that they typically would have given to another vendor. Well, we need to understand who you're competing against and do, does one of your competitors have an inside track? Also, are you talking to the decision maker? Um, do they have enough budget for what you're selling? All of those things are critical things you need to understand before you start to commit a, uh, a lot of time and effort into winning a deal. From there, you'd go into, again, using financial acumen to draw that connection between the, uh, your customer's top priorities and what you're selling. Um, and then using that to put together an ROI, so being able to calculate that ROI. And then being able to articulate that and really put it all together in a value proposition that your customers can quickly understand and grasp. And not only grasp themselves, but be able to share with inside their organization as they take your solution to to others inside the organization uh, to try and convince them that this is the right path to go down. And then probably finally is, and every every sales pro sees this out there, you've got to be able to negotiate effectively. There isn't a customer in the world that isn't going to try and drive down the price of your sale. Um, And so there's, there's effective techniques you need to be able to use uh, or deploy to really find that that favorable agreement you're looking for. So as you approach clients, the uh, CFO or the CFO's uh, uh, direct reports are pretty significant characters in the play, and uh, they they haven't been given that much attention to in the past. Is that true? Uh it's very true. We, we, t- we talk about in some of our video programs around um, this is what happens after you leave the room, right? So 
you know, the typical scenario is you go in and present to a company, you present, you know, you this great solution, uh, you get all excited, everybody in the room seemed excited, everybody was awake for it, everybody was asking good questions, they shake your hand at the end, they you shake your hand at the end. They say, "Well, you know, we'll let you know." Uh, and then you wait a couple of weeks, and all of a sudden, you don't get a response, and, and you're wondering, "That seemed to go really well." I told my manager how well it went, and yet nothing. Um, and there's something that goes on in that room after you leave, after they tell you, "We'll let you know." And that's where the CFO starts to really exert his 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 um, really his power in the room. Right. Yeah. So they're sitting down and they're talking about what is the ROI here? What is what is the benefit financially to our organization? So you might be selling to a to a manager in a business group, but at the end of the day, the CFO is going to have some pretty heavy input into how many dollars or what dollars they're going to spend and where they're going to spend it. So you need to make sure when you're presenting your solution that that in many respects you're talking to the CFO, whether that person is in the room or not. Ultimately. Uh, you need to kind of speak their financial language to win that sale. Uh, in full disclosure, uh, many, many years ago, uh, Tad and I worked together and, uh, uh, and went on many sales calls together. And uh, one of the things that was really cool, Tad, uh, is we'd sit in the room and the CFO or, or his or her designee was there not talking the entire meeting, but you would always bring that person into the conversation. Uh, which, which was pretty impressive because we always got the sale. If you could get that finance person in the room talking, we got the sale. Yeah, they, they tend not to speak when they're in the room, uh, but uh, those are the ones you need to watch out for. Those are the ones you need to make sure you're talking to um, because they're going to have some pretty you know big input at the end of the day. So, you know, it's it's just like everybody in sales knows. It's all about the odds, right? And your odds go up dramatically when you're, uh, using the right language and talking to the decision makers. Are we asking sales pers- professionals to become accountants then? Uh, no. You know, and, th- and that's one of the big hurdles for us in delivering financial acumen to sales pros is that you don't need to be an accountant. There's some very simple math involved um, around understanding some of the financial drivers uh, for companies. <laughs> you just said math, uh, though. <laughs> <laughs> we, the we four-letter word. <laughs> Yeah, I know. We we talk about it in three simple ways. It's it's how are you going to help your customer drive more revenue? How are you going to help them lower their expenses? And how are you going to help them do more with the money that they have? So to be more efficient as an organization. Um, and so I like to say, anytime you're bringing a solution to the table, you need to be able to connect it to one or all of those three drivers and talk about how your solution is going to impact each one of them. Um, and there's varying levels at which you do that, right? At the beginning part, it's a value statement, right? Our, our, our sales training is going to help you drive more revenue. Well, that's great. How much more revenue? Well, there's going to be a whole lot, there's a whole lot of variables that we need to look at to really give you a legitimate calculation there that you could rely on to some extent. Um, and so we need to be able to dive into that. So there's, there's varying levels of, of, uh, skill that you need to have in this financial acumen set, but um, you at least want to start with what are the impacts on driving revenue, lowering expenses, and helping you know, an organization be more efficient. And there's another part that I've heard you talk about quite a bit, and that's uh, if you can, if you, you you talk about those three factors, 
you still have to have a relationship with them enough so that they believe you. Yes, right, and that's the that's the trust factor, right? Um, and so the way I like to break it down is, you see a lot of organizations out there, they talk about all the experience they have and the expertise that they have, um, which are some pretty key ingredients in building trust, right? I need to know that you guys have enough experience and that I'm not a guinea pig as a customer. I need to know that you're experts, that you've done this a million times, um, and that you don't make mistakes. Uh, but the other key ingredient in trust is empathy, right? Uh, empathy and understanding, right? Do you have empathy for me and my organization and what we're going through? And the ability to have empathy for a customer a lot of times is wrapped around an understanding of their finance, right? They've got tremendous financial pressures on them. And so you need to have empathy for that and understanding of what those financial pressures are and be able to demonstrate that in a conversation. And that's really the first key ingredient in building trust. Uh, and trust is that, that kind of overarching umbrella that's going to enable you to get that sale. So as, as you're working through all that, what are some of the uh, what are some of the barriers that you find the salespeople will run into? What gets in their way? Um, Why did you laugh? Well, because there's a lot of things that get in their way. But typically, <laughs> what we see is um, salespeople from the start of their profession are taught how to ask good questions, right? Um, and so, what we start to see with sales professionals is that they start to interview their customers, right? Yeah. And it's not a conversation, it's an interview. And then sometimes it's a monologue, right? They'll launch into their product. They'll ask you a bunch of good questions. They'll, who knows what they do with the answer. And then they'll just launch right into what their solution is. And they don't connect the two. Um, so the, the big barrier is do these salespeople have the skill set to have a conversation. And a conversation is ask a good open-ended question that's going to draw the customer out, right? An open-ended question in which the answer is not yes or no, right? But it's something they have to describe to you. So how do you do this? What do you think the outcome is going to be or what is going on in your business? And, and pull that customer out and then use the answer to that question. You need to listen to it and use the answer to that question to then dig deeper and deeper. And then ultimately, once you've got a base understanding of the real drivers for that customer to, again, connect your solution back to what's most important to them. So the big barrier there is kind of the difference between having a conversation versus an interview. Um, and so, you know, a lot of times you hear in the sales 2.0 community uh, that this is a conversation economy, and it really is you're 100% more effective when you can have a legitimate conversation with your customers as a peer as opposed to just asking a bunch of questions that you're going to pump the answer into your CRM to satisfy your sales manager. How, how important are first impressions then? Uh, I think first impressions are very important. Um, you know, it's... Uh, I've done some research into kind of the, the secrets of Socrates, Um and, and Socrates was famous for really changing people's thinking. And they use this analogy of, of a ball uh, rolling in one direction. And so when you start on a sales call and you automatically jump right into what your solution is, um, you pretty quickly start the customer down a path of resistance, 
right? Because they feel like they're being force-fed something. And so now that ball has started to move in the opposite direction that you want it to. And the amount of power and force it's going to take to reverse the direction of that ball and get it moving in a positive direction is, is you know, twice as much. So you've, you've really put yourself in a deep hole by starting the conversation or starting your engagement in that way. But when you can start, as Socrates did, with kind of the yes-yes, looking for things that you have in common. So, Mr. and Mrs. Customer, I understand that you're trying to drive more revenue, and I understand you're trying to lower your expenses. Well, I tell you, as an organization, we are tasked with uh, and really focus on doing the same exact thing for our customers. So I think we're aligned right there. Do you see that alignment? And the answer is yes. There's not a customer in the world that doesn't want to increase their revenues or, or lower their expenses. So now you've started that ball down in a positive direction where the customer is saying yes, um, and you've, you've got that good first impression of, wow, I'm really aligned right now with the customer. It, it seems so easy to make that relationship adversarial. It is very easy because it's, if you think about sales from a perspective of you're charged with selling your, your solutions and your products, and so salespeople tend to think, um, that a big portion of their responsibility is really understanding their solutions. Um, and ironically, it's not. Um, you need to have some understanding of your solutions, but you need to have a better understanding of what drives your customers. Uh, I always like to say as a salesperson, you know, I could bring another expert to sit in the room with me and tell you about all the bells and whistles of what we do, if that's what you're really concerned with. But what I'm concerned with is really making sure that I understand my customer's business and sometimes understand it better than they might understand it. Um, so that's really where sales professionals start to find opportunities that a lot of their competitors are just not looking for. Which brings us back into the financial acumen piece because yep. that's going to be the linkage. It's always the linkage. It's the underlying, uh, it's the underlying language that businesses use. Um, and whether the person you're selling to uses that language or not, uh, at the end of the day, the decision, a large portion of that decision is going to be wrapped around finance. So, yes, you need to have good first impressions with that person. You need to connect with them. You need to show empathy. You need to be able to uh, share your experience uh, and your expertise level with them. Uh, you need to build confidence with them. Um, but you really need to connect the underlying financial driver for them to ultimately prevail. When you look at those uh, three drivers, uh, increasing revenue, decreasing costs, increasing efficiencies, yep. what are some of the, um, I'm going to use the, the phrase accounting tools, uh, that, uh, that LTP teaches through that process? Well, we look at it from a standpoint of a dashboard. Uh, and the terminology of a dashboard has become increasingly popular um, as managers and businesses use dashboards and sales managers use dashboards. And it's just as business becomes more and more complex, people's ability to look at all of the different, you know, nooks and crannies of a process or a business cycle become impossible. I can't look at everything, right? So I want to look at what are my top drivers. So you've got executives that will look at, hey, I've got five key metrics I look at every week or every day or every month to govern how well my business is doing, right? And so what we want to teach our sales professionals is, 
hey, let's, let's us look at those five metrics, right? And a lot of times uh, those metrics are driven out by what industry that customer is in, right? So in the, in the retail industry, uh, inventory is going to be a big factor. It's going to be a big driver. Uh, executives in the retail space and executives in the manufacturing space of electronics they're looking at what their inventory levels are. How quickly are they turning that inventory, right? Well, if an executive in a professional services company, they don't have inventory. So that's not an important metric to them, right? Um, return on equity, return on assets are two uh, big economic drivers for professional services. So we want to make sure as sales professionals that we're looking at the right metrics for the right industry, for the right executive that you're talking to, and there's just a handful of them. And when you can connect at that high level um, between what your solution does and the benefits and the impact on those metrics, you really have a good first impression. You've started the ball moving in the right direction with some pretty good momentum. Uh, and the customer really starts to open up and say, great, that you have a solution that's really going to help me drive, uh, you know, manage my inventory better. Well, that's really important to us. I'd like to hear more about your solution and how you might do that, right? And that, that's what moves the salesperson into that real sweet spot where all of a sudden they get to talk about the, the solutions that they offer and what they do. And as long as they can remember in the conversation to continually link back to that one metric on that dashboard, they'll be successful. So as you sell this idea to sales executives, what's the definitive ROI for them beyond the rhetoric to say, yeah, we, we do need our salespeople to focus uh, on fi uh, understanding our customers' financial landscape better? That's great. It's actually a great question, right? So we, what we started to do is, is not only do we talk to sales executives and talk to them about the ROI, but we also talk to sales professionals about the benefit they're going to get from us, right? So we've transferred all of our business to video which gives us the ability to talk to sales reps individually and train them individually where they can have access on a subscription basis to these videos. And so we can say the ROI to the sales manager is, hey, listen, there's critical skills at every step in the sales process. And just imagine if you did a lot of good research uh, and found the right target market for your solution, right? So if you sell... Uh, if, you, if you sell an inventory solution, well, let's make sure we're focused in the right industries where that's really going to make a difference, right? So you start to fill your pipeline with greater odds, right? You start to fill your pipeline with, with prospects where you've got a greater chance of selling to them, right? And then we move into the next phase, right? Are you, gonna, are you qualifying these deals properly before you put them in the pipeline so that the quality of what's going in that pipeline starts to improve? which affects what comes out on the other end of that pipeline, right? So now you've got salespeople closing more sales, you've got them closing bigger sales, and you've got them doing it faster, right? And those are the three key ingredients in, in sales force effectiveness. Uh, so from an ROI perspective, it all adds up, right? Even if I were only to do one of those things, properly qualified deal, well, that's going to have an ROI. But when I start to use finance in my value proposition and driving the close of that sale, that's going to help my ROI. It's going to extend it even further. And then when I negotiate properly, and I, and I don't just give things away, but seek you know, equal value for concessions in a negotiation, well, wow, that's going to start to improve the profitability of my deals. So the ROI for the sales executive starts to skyrocket. 
But not only that, we then can turn that on its head for a sales professional and say, hey, you're going to close more sales, right? Your deals are going to be more profitable. And, and there's a correlation between the profit of your deal and what you get paid at the end of the day. So you're going to start to make more money. Uh, you're going to start to close your sales faster. You're going to start to enjoy your sales job a lot more as you're not having confrontational conversations with your sales managers. You're having conversations about how your commissions are tripling and doubling over time, right? So uh, we've really got an ROI on which we can present to, to both the individual and to the organization as a whole. Systemically, are there other factors that uh, sales executives also need to manage as they try and integrate more financial acumen into the skill sets? Uh, there's a whole host of things. Um, you know, financial acumen and having good business, uh, business acumen or business sales skills uh, are clearly important. But as we start to see uh, sales organizations and businesses become more complex, um, it really becomes an organizational question. So people have been using portals forever, right? And we dump a lot of uh, information in those portals. And in those portals are sales tools. There might be, you know, sheets they need to fill out on a sales opportunity, whatever it is, um, that are all believed to help their organization. But those portals start to become black holes, right? And so you really, as a sales executive, you really need to start to look at the organization of all of your content um, and are you delivering relevant content, relevant tools at the right time, in the right place, where people can, A, find them and understand them? Um, and so those are becoming really, really critical as, as kind of the sales 2.0 environment grows. So to sum that up, you're, you're talking data management, territory management, uh, as much as uh, managing the actual performance of the sales folks. Right. It all... It's all going to impact your top and bottom line, so you, you, you've got to do all of it. Great. Last question. We talked a little bit about what the barriers are uh, to applying financial acumen to, sale, to the sales process. What are the risks? So I do this. What, what are my risks as a sales guy going in and well, doing this? The, that's a great question. I mean, the, the risks are, are not doing it right, right? Um, and so, so many times salespeople get caught up in, well, I was told to do this, uh, and so I do it, right? And what we really talk about is don't just do it, right? I mean, well, we all agree it's important to do it, right? But it's more important to understand what you're doing so that when you get an answer to a question, uh, you can extend the conversation instead of just going to another question that, that you know, pretty much tells the customer, you don't understand what's going on here and you just kind of blew past that, that, that answer to that question. So um, it's great to use finance in the sales process, and it's definitely going to help you. Uh, but if you start to throw out numbers and throw out things that you can't back up um, in, a, in a coaching conversation, um, then you're really going to start to turn your customers off from the perspective of, I don't want to deal with that person. He, doesn't, he or she doesn't know what they're doing. So there are risks involved. Um, but that's also the beauty of, 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 of moving from the classroom environment to video because now, uh, you know, before it was we teach them what to do, we might give them a test at the end, and, and the majority of them get it, but two weeks later they forget it, right? And so then the risk starts to increase when they're dealing with their customers because they forgot a lot of this important stuff, but they remember that as a whole it's important, 
but they're going to try it anyway. Well, video gives them the ability to recapture that and adopt those skills through kind of the replay of it. So if you didn't get it the first time, watch it again. You can ask questions and collaborate with other viewers, right? So how do other people handle this situation? And then you watch it again and again and again until you really start to adopt that skill and understand what it is. So there is risk involved, but hopefully video starts to take some of those risks away. Great. Tad, do you have any closing thoughts? Um, you know, I don't. I feel like you did a very good job of, of pulling me through all the important stuff in there, so I feel like we covered it all. Well, that's why they pay me the big bucks. That's right. So, Well, thank you, Tad. I, I really appreciate you joining us. Uh, by the way, what's your website? What's your website if people want to go to it? Our website is LTP Sales. That stands for License to Practice Sales. So LTPSales.com, uh, and you'll be able to understand more about what we do and how we use video to, to transfer financial acumen and business acumen to sales professionals. Great. And again, this is Tad Henderson, uh, president of LTP Sales, joining us. And that was episode. Thank you, Tad. And that was episode five. Thanks for joining us. You can find us at tiagi.com or simply download and subscribe to this and our sister cast, the Tiagi Group Training Intelligence Podcast on iTunes. Tune in over the coming weeks for Episode 6. Take care.